I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the internet. Welcome to the Active Topical Banter Show, RP Gamer's editorial roundtable podcast. I am Scott Walker, and with me tonight are my co-hosts. I am Michael Cunningham, RP Gamer's editor-in-chief, and thank you for having me. Tread Seeley, uh, RP Gamer editor, and uh, deathly ill at the moment, but happy to be on the podcast. And I'm Sam Marcello. I don't know what my new last name is going to be in the next little while, so we're going with that. But I'm the operations manager. Should just and make I'm... up a new name. Yeah, we we should choose our uh, a new shared last name. We should be the Shabadignos or something. Oh, you guys can be awesomes, Mister and Mrs. Awesome. <laughs> I like that. Damn You're awesome. feeding my my awesome. ego that I'm afraid I have. <laughs> I'm modest. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, oh, why awesome? Be rad. <laughs> I love it. No, no, how about this Not one? Rad. The Diehards. Wow. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Diehard, their son, Joseph, Joseph Gordon, now. You know what's sad? If you put Sam and Scott together as a name, you get scam. <laughs> what are you trying to tell us, Sam? Uh, just know. that we're registered at... Um... Nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> we're not into that. We're not into that, apparently. We're registered at Amazon and EB Games. Yeah, probably. Uh, so how are y'all doing? Everybody doing wonderful today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Cataloging hurts my brain, so I'm sorry if I'm a little bit out there. <laughs> that's all right. We're ready to podcast, and that's what matters. Yes. We're ready to talk about handhelds. Yes. We like handhelds. Tonight we're talking about the handheld market. And we're in luck, because we brought this guy from Pocket Console in. He's going to be our ace <laughs> on this shit. Uh, uh, yeah, I've played a few handheld games. That's one good thing I can say. Uh, a few? So, a few. Way too many last time I counted, so if that counts for anything. Yeah, so we're going to start with the environmental impact of all those lithium batteries that you've just... <laughs> bought and brought into the world and then destroyed you terrible person Man. not like me with my 120 watt with my 700 watt pc i use for things no i'm much better than you for living on the grid i like that everything's at least rechargeable now you know i don't feel as bad it's all i good. don't either the, the environment was a joke but whatever let's roll with that well i don't miss the days of putting what is it was it eight AA batteries into a Game Gear? Oh, I think it was Game six. Gears. It was oh, six. They would, they would use them up within like two hours. Hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I remember the moment I saw the Game Boy Advance SP and I honestly thought it was a revelation. Like we, I, at that yes. moment, I was like, rechargeable batteries, we're in the future. <laughs> it's like the biggest deal ever. It really was. <laughs> well, it was a, it was a Game Boy that didn't weigh as much as a brick. That was also important. <laughs> that uh, everything today is rechargeable. The only unfortunate thing is that our handouts are so powerful today that uh, everything that is rechargeable will only ever last three to five hours. Yeah. Well, man, that some of the best handhelds, and I know we're probably getting way off topic before we even start the topic. But well, this the is PSP, the time for it. We're heating. We're yeah. heating. It's all PSP good. Go. I can... I haven't had this thing on in a month. Let's try to turn it on now. Oh, yep. It turns on 
and full charge. <laughs> God, I love this little thing. Haven't turned it on in a month, and it still you know, I, just turns I, I on and works. I once had a PSP Go, and at first I thought, like, this seems like the best purchase because it's so tiny. It's perfect for your pocket. Uh, like, of course, it's rechargeable, and, like, it just didn't feel bulky like the standard PSP did uh, mm -hmm. before the PSP 3000. The only yes. challenge was it didn't have games like Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. It didn't have <sighs> Final Fantasy Crisis Core. Like See? some of the games that I absolutely wanted to play just weren't available on the PSN, and that was a huge detriment. Well, that's why you did the soft mod, got custom firmware on there, and kept an old PSP where you can rip all of your UMDs and toss any single UMD you have onto the PSP Go. And it's the greatest handheld ever because of that i'm yes. sure sony approves of all those actions I'm, see i'm, I'm not gonna really have to delete sony. any of that uh, <laughs> it's it's something that's been going on forever as long as you don't use it to pirate i don't care because right now i've got tactics ogre decidia grow lancer uh, final fantasy summer night Four, trails in the sky and a modded version of valkyria chronicles all on here and just you know at my beck and call anytime I want to play them. You know. And that funny. little list brings us to our first point on the evening, which is the east-west divide of, oh my god, Japan, will you ever release anything not on the PSP? The Atelier series like, likes the PS3. Or as I like to call it, OMG North America, why will you not release anything on a handheld instead of just mobile? That's what I like to call it. <laughs> well... I mean, we are getting Borderlands 2 on the Vita. That's kind of impressive and a little strange. Yeah, I'm um, starting to hear that there's some like usability issues, though, with people having to use the back touch screen. And I, I'm sure that there's some uh, changes in resolution and graphics. There has to be a lot of compromises. Yeah, I think there were some early impressions that came out from either Eurogamer or somewhere. But honestly... It's not coming out until at least May. I got plenty of time from whatever demo they're working on now to fine-tune things. So, hey, I say bring it on. If it works and it's good quality, I'll take it. You know, that's one Western-developed game we're getting on a handheld. At least RPGs. We're getting lots of indie stuff. But that's a totally different story we can get into later. But the East-West Divide's definitely a, a big issue because looking at my PSP collection of 100-something games, all of them are from Japan. Yep. Well, yep. and and really, this is basically the East-West business model in a microcosm where uh, the West is obsessed with non-interactive spectacle as a means of selling games, which means you kind of need the biggest market possible, oh, yeah. which also happens to be the market with enough power to render a billion little particles when you blow up the Eiffel Tower or whatever, Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, we have Japan, who has the per perfectly reasonable expectation of, hey, let, let's just, you know, set our development budget at what we think we can sell it, and uh, we'll, we have to assume we have to sell it all in Japan, and, oh, there's three DSs to, per capita in this nation. Let's put it on the DS. <laughs> well, yep. if, if you guys remember the feature that I ran last year tracking the RPG releases over the past 10 years... Uh, of the PSP's releases, about 60% of them were only released in Japan. And I remember thinking at the time that one of the few reasons, especially the past couple years, we never received anything was, like, to North America, the PSP has been kind of dead for about two or three years, wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially when they stopped printing UMD movies, because that was really what moved PSPs. I'm really upset that I can't get uh, Avengers on UMD so I can watch it on the bus on teeny tiny Ostrano Vision. To, to be we... fair, they tried to release Pokemon episodes on GBA cartridges. See, so this... but that, that, that was synchronicity. Who likes Pokemon? Kids with GBAs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can all agree that the UMD movies was a ridiculous thing. The things have changed since then, and like Trent said, you know, it wasn't just 60% of the RPG, or it wasn't just 60% of the PSP games that were released in Japan. It were 60% of the RPG, or 60% of PSP games were only released in Japan. 
and I'm sure that percentage went up much higher when you talked about development of games because there were very, very, very few, even from the start, very few Western-developed PSP games, even before it died in the U.S. Yeah, and and to, to be fair, I feel like the PSP is still kind of alive there even today. Sony or hardware, if, or if it has, if it has it kind is. of rolled over, if it has kind of rolled over, it would only have been recently. You know, it is still still alive and kicking in um, Japan because when you look at the data, I think the latest sales data that came out, it's still selling like three thousand systems a month, which is kind of on par with like the Wii U, which isn't oh. saying much, but considering um, how it's out there. You can still find games in the top 20 often that were released on PSP. Uh, they just announced a game today, the uh, Tokiden, the P- the Vita game that just came out from Nam- or from Tecmo Koei. They're releasing yeah. an enhanced version of that that's supposed to be playable on Vita and PSP. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it, it's yeah. not like we have precedent for, for Sony hardware... Uh kicking around well past the use-by date in Japan. Nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, the PSP was a huge system in Japan, mostly thanks to Monster Hunter. Uh, that's the game that really kept it alive. And not only kept it alive, it made it just an impressive sell. It, it's probably one of the reasons why we're, we're seeing so many kind of Monster Hunter clones. I know that sounds kind of offensive, but, I mean, we have God Eater, and there's... It's uh, great. Uh, <laughs> There's there's Freedom Wars that's coming up for the Vita, and uh, there, there's a uh, Ragnarok Odyssey. I would argue is kind of in that same category. It, it absolutely. I feel is. like I feel like a lot of the quote RPGs that we're seeing coming out for the PS Vita these days, uh, and just looking at the ones that are even making it over here, are very Monster Hunter esque. Uh- Audience, if you have a better name for Monster Hunter clone, something quick and easy and kind of funny, the way we've replaced Diablo clone with third-person looter, uh, throw that in the comments. There might be a prize. I just I just say that because I, I remember I, I said to uh, Alex before, um, Al- Alex Fuller from the site, uh, that I thought Dragon Eater Burst, which was... Uh, or God Eater Burst, rather, which which is a game he likes a lot. I, I think I called it a, a Monster Hunter clone, and it, it didn't seem like it sat well with him. So, well, it it's hard, and this, and this is a phenomenon that does come up: is that it's hard to say that there's that point where something is not quite a subgenre, and you have to come up with a word for it. And sometimes that word is a little dismissive. Like, I remember when what I was playing a lot of on my PC were id shooters. Remember when we called them id shooters? <laughs> well, the reason it's called a Monster Hunter clone, or that people call it that, but it's not, you know, the most accurate thing, is because it is a game that has a focus on killing monsters, collecting loot, making new gear. It's and a mission the structure thing that game. Like, yeah, the thing that kind of differentiates it, and I know that's one thing he uh, that Alex always says about God Eater Burst, is that it at least has some story to it. Mm-hmm. Monster Hunter has never been something that people talk about the story in there. It's something they get in, they play together, and that's the biggest thing in Japan that was the big deal, is people would get together locally and play these games. Because until Monster Hunter 4 on the 3DS just recently... They were only local multiplayer. No, no. Monster Hunter on the PS2 had online... Mul- uh, Monster, Pun- Monster Hunter on the PS2 had online multiplayer. Wow. How many people played just it? Referring to, just referring to handhelds. Sorry. I, I know, but, I'm, uh, but someone's going to say it in the comments, so I'll say it now. I remember that it shipped with a keyboard for your well, PS2. And Monster Hunter 3 did. For, for oh, I was going to say that was what I was going to say. Monster Hunter 3... We and we you could do those on there, but as far as the handheld ones went, and you know that's kind of the thing that broke this out on the PSP was people would just get together locally and play locally, and that's not something we really have over here, so it didn't really pick up in America, and it became a huge thing that everybody wanted to jump on board, just like you know in America they're trying to jump on board the Call of Duty train. Yep. You don't call Battlefield Four a Call of Duty clone but it sure as heck is searching for the same audience. Yeah, but those kind of games definitely breathe life into the PSP over there, and it's unfortunate that the same thing hasn't happened over here because 
the longevity that it had in Japan meant that Japan has received games, most notably to me, Final Fantasy Type Zero, that we just never had the opportunity to touch. Well, and I and I'm kind of curious if there why there was never sort of a similar push to Operation Rainfall for for the PSP the way there was for the Wii. Is it just that the list is as long as their arms, as opposed to just the three things we could yell about? Partially. Um, there are a lot of PSP games that went un, uh, unlocalized, and I actually did a feature on it a while back, um, that there was about ten... About I remember ten, this feature, because I think I kind of made you do it. Yeah, it was two years ago, and it was like the ten or something most viable PSP RPGs that yep. could still make it over, like... Uh, Final Fantasy Type Zero, big audience for that one. Valkyria uh, Three. Yeah, oh, that yeah. doesn't have an audience here. <laughs> no, but it's a game that I know on people. Our site, I know for there's example, an, would care that there's an angry bun, an angry mob who want it, but it's it's no. Again, not a I know you're looking option. at. I still think we'll see it in some form. I still think we will see Valkyria come over. Really? I do. I think Sega has seen that they can make money on. Smaller niche titles now, um, things like Hatsune Miku, they see a digital structure that really they were blind to before, and I think there's a chance that we could see stuff like this now. And, you know, it may not be Valkyria 3, it may be, you know, Valkyria 4 for Vita or something along those lines. I think they will do a new, or at least some form of Valkyria on Vita or PS, or, you know, if they can't just port the PSP version over and, you know, put it up on PSN. Valkyria you know, HD collection. But you know, Michael, as as much as Sega has a structure, I'm sorry, Hatsune Miku versus my Cosmo Kiryu, it's a it's a bullet wound, man. <laughs> it's a bullet wound. Uh, but yeah, there's there's niche audiences, and that's something that we've had you know big problems, problems with, with. for the longest time. <laughs> you know, it's hard to really get people really stirred up and excited for it. On the plus side, those niche audiences are passionate enough that if if there's a will, there's a way. Like I remember um, when Psych and Detsu, uh, Densetsu three never came over here in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a passionate group of people who decided to do a fan translation. The same thing is happening for Type Zero, and supposedly that English fan translation is going to be done in August for PS Vita and PSP. <laughs> That's not well, far. <laughs> I mean, and, and look at. Today, Poor Wheels was so excited when he found out there was a seventh Dragon fan translation and it was real and not an April Fool's joke. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there is always these situations where passionate people have no problem going out of their way and and c- creating something for people to enjoy. Well, that's but like they what I was shouldn't saying. have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, in one sense, you're right. They shouldn't have to, but you got to love the tenacity of it. I mean, you know... Tom Lipschultz from Exceed was one of those people for the longest time, and and now he's an actual localizer in a publishing firm, and that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that you can actually take your dream and and put it somewhere. But I mean, this is a little off handhelds, but yeah, <laughs> you know, when you go back to the handheld market, though, the kind of focus that we have is the whole East versus West, and why East is, you know, getting way way more. Um, well, on handheld well and i think it's just it is it fits that japanese lifestyle of yeah no this is the thing i'll play on the bus and i'll charge it at work and play on the bus ride or i guess the train home Mm -hmm. and actually that's that goes against japanese culture you're not supposed to bring out your phone or any piece of technology while you're on the train it's impolite yeah but they still do (laughs) well they're teenagers they're impolite assholes (laughs) (laughs) But yet, when was the last time any of you all saw a... No, I guess this is a bad connection. You all may have different areas than I do. I couldn't tell you the last time I saw a dedicated handheld in a non-trade show format. You know, just walking around or, you know, going to the mall. Well, they must exist because I keep getting street passes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, I don't see the kid playing Mario Kart on the bus to class. But when I flip open my 3DS during lunch, I'm like, hey, there's a kid. He's probably on the bus, and he likes Mario Kart. Oh, it's kind of sad, but 
where we've moved now, we I pass a middle school and elementary school on the way, and I always want to take my 3ds and just drive a little closer just to see if I get passes. <laughs> just just accidentally turn like into a... the bus loop and see what happens. There's yeah. like a tinge of creepiness to that statement, Mac. Uh, so are you going to start driving a white van? You're like, this is this is why Nintendo's so afraid of online is they're afraid that people put aside on the van stuff. free candy. I, I totally take my my 3ds to school and I street pass people in my class. Yeah, but your class we, we... is full of you know people of eight who are past the age of consent. I'm just saying. I'm you not know... saying all of them can buy beer, but they can consent. I just find it really funny. That's actually how I met one of my classmates. She was like. I keep street passing someone in this class. Who is this person? And she threw a fit. I was like, it's me. Oh. I street passed you. And then we talk now. <laughs> Even though she only plays Animal Crossing, but that's totally okay. Nintendo, bridging gaps. <laughs> I get the, what is this Dragon Quest thing? Is it interesting? I'm like, oh, crap. Introduce her to, to new worlds. I tried. She said it sounded kind of boring. Oh, <laughs> She's like, you keep playing Dragon Quest. I'm like, this is because it's the game I like right wait, now. Wait, wait. Someone who's an Animal Crossing fan <laughs> said Dragon Quest was boring. <laughs> I'm going to leave a pause here for everyone to let that sink in. Exciting it is for her to comb the beach for seashells. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to... I think we're going to shift away and talk about the North American market, which is... <sighs> historically been okay so a game will come out and then the, there's going to be a crummier version of that game on the Wii that you don't buy and then there's an even crummier spin-off of that game on the DS you really don't buy you mean Spectrobes? well no he means like Call of oh, Duty wait Spectrobes was actually Japanese developed never mm. mind he means <laughs> Call of Duty Black Ops Declassified yeah that's what he means and Killzone Mercenary Killzone mercenary, and even those are least shooters decent. without two analog sticks. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but well, I was also thinking time. of like Altair's Quest, yeah, Assassin's Creed Revelation. No, wait, that's a real game. Liberation. Uh, now, Liberation, Liberation turned out okay. Um, there was the first one Discovery. I finished. Yeah, Discovery or something like that. There were some. Weird I, got, I got Liberation for free when I bought my white Vita because I really wanted a white Vita. I did too. It was my and, Christmas present, and oh, I actually liked it. I finished it. Yeah, I I, I liked it too. It I thought it took some interesting risks. I I definitely appreciate the fact that not only was the protagonist female, but she was a, a woman of color. And it was an interesting story. It wasn't a game without flaws, and I feel like the HD edition for consoles echoes that uh, on that topic the whole taking a portable game and then putting it on consoles thing has been happening since the psp and the ps2 and i i really think it's lame <laughs> well well and it, you know what just to throw that out there ragnarok odyssey on ps3 kind of but ugly ooh. sorry like there's preference for the review guys it's kind of <laughs> ugly like it upscales so janky you're just kind of like Oh my god, they're creepy. Like, I can really see into their souls. Oh my god, I want to put this away. <laughs> no, Scott walked in on me and he was like, put it away. <laughs> I but haven't I, like, I haven't had that reaction since Star Ocean 4. No, time and eternity, honey. Well, No, Star Ocean 4 was the, oh my god, the palette burns my eyes. I mean, just every element of time and eternity made me want to vomit. <laughs> But I, I mean that—that's the thing—is the North American market is you kind of you you have an IP and you have some money, so you're going to take half a chance on it in this yeah. portable market. I mean, and they, you know what? I I never hear anyone talking about these being a runaway success. No, and that's the big thing, and I'll I'll t talk to that because I'm the crazy idiot that actually buys these over the original. I'm the crazy guy who owns every <laughs> like handheld. Call of Duty game. Oh God! Uh, yeah. Ow! Uh, it's, that it's, that it's hurts that my bad. soul, Michael. They're wait, awful. Wait, but you it's... have Call of Duty Ghosts? Uh, was there a handheld version of it? No. No, not yet. But wait, you have no. handheld wait, Batman. Wait, 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 do you have Resistance Burning Skies? Yes. yes. Oh, I... my, you're better than that. I have Resistance Burning Skies, Killzone Mercenary, Call of Duty Black Ops Declassified. Uh, you He's know. got them all, man. I can't really tell you how disappointed I am. <laughs> I know. 
Mercenaries... little dirty secret Sundays. Mercenaries is an excellent game. It's probably the best first-person shooter for a portable system ever made. But that's a far to jump. Ugh. Call of Duty Defiance, really? Black Ops Declassified was an awful game. Um, and I know it's not RPG related at all, but it proves your point exactly that in the North American market, all we get are these games that are a tag on. They're like, oh, well, we've got some big games coming out. We can get a few people that maybe want a portable version, but we don't actually want to make a quality portable version of the game we're making. So we'll just farm so- it out to some Eastern Europeans who owe us money. <laughs> well, no, there was a, there's a big strange market in North America, you know, the U.S. and Canada, of companies that do these. Uh, in space, other Instigate. Um, there's all kinds of companies within North America. WayForward is, you know, a company that's done quite a few handheld ports of console games. You know, there's a, there's a market for it. I don't know who, well, I do know who that market serves. It serves me. Um, <laughs> you and I guess the kids that can afford handhelds but not That's full consoles. That's the problem. People like me want a better experience, but they only market it to kids and they give us the crappy versions and it's not worth a dime when you get it. I'd kill for half of these games that are coming out, you know, and, and it's starting to become that because with cross-buy and digital on the Vita, you're starting to see a lot more games that have a PS3 version that they move to Vita. Not necessarily like Ragnarok Odyssey Ace, where it went the other direction from Vita to PS3. Um, I don't give a crap about that direction, but when you take a game <laughs> that's... But you know, say more like a Dragon's Crown. Dragon's Crown or Dragon's Crown. Uh, Persona 4. You know, it's not a PS3 game, but it was a console game ported to handheld. worked fantastically. Perfectly. Um, then there's other examples of things that uh, you can look at as far as you know the indie space goes, where they'll make versions that are, you know, PS3 or PS4 compatible and Vita, and it's starting to get to the point to where things are a little closer in parity. Well, at least part of that, titles. and I, yeah. and I think some of that is just that Sony now has not so much uh, has more of an OS approach where you have the Sony operating system that that runs their consoles, and it's just a matter of testing it for the specs of the Vita versus the 4 versus the 3 and making it all work. Right. As opposed to just sort of radically the radically different architectures of the PSP and the PS3. Oh, yeah. That was the biggest thing. You know, the PSP was a very great handheld at the time, but it yeah. was nowhere near console quality. It had some fantastic games that were designed specifically for it, but it didn't have the horsepower that was needed. And that. the DS and 3DS aren't either. But at the yeah. same time, I think the the crummy tie-in, like, tag-on game, tag-along game, is starting to slide into the mobile space, where I, I see, you know, the, like, I'm playing Assassin's Creed 4, and it's like, hey, you like this pirate this pirate fleet mini-game? No? But, well, you can do it from your phone wherever you want. It mm-hmm. plays exactly like any other Facebook time waster. <laughs> yeah, it's awful that that's what we're getting to. Um, and I mean, there are, there are better just... examples. I mean, I guess um, the the injustice phone game was tolerably freemium. Yeah, yeah. That's the biggest thing is it's not something that costs a lot of money, and they've seen there's more of a mobile market than there is handheld. Uh, you know, here in North America. So that's what they focus on when they go cheap and make a, you know, inexpensive game. Boom. That's the first place they put it is on mobile. Because well, everyone there's... has a phone. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not people will download anything if it's free. And maybe they'll buy your stupid fake premium currency. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll, maybe they're 12 and we'll push the button by accident. Uh, have a nephew who did that. How many Smurf berries did he buy again? It was a lot. <laughs> That's all I remember. It was a lot. Oh, that wow. credit card bill was bad. It may not have been actual Smurf berries, but you get the I can't joke. remember the game it was, but it was bad. Yeah, and that's the problem. Is That's where the money is. And it's not about making games. When it comes to the handheld market for here in North America, it's not about making games that you want to make. It's about making games that make money in the handheld and mobile space. 
And it's that way in everything, but at least you can say in some cases, you know, you get a big company, they want to make a big game, you know, they have a lot of heart behind it, and they're making it to make money, but at the same time, the handheld's just kind of the offshoot. If we can get a few extra bucks out of this, that's why they make it, not because they think, oh, this game will be great on console and handheld. That's not the case here. And maybe... So, and maybe uh, a ten-year-old PC game will be great on tablets. We'll see. We'll try that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's de- there's definitely questions about quality. It's interesting. Like I I, I recently heard some feedback on uh, GDC, and one of the things that I heard was that it was oriented more towards monetizing games than it was improving the quality of your games. Like uh, panels included things like how, how does, to make money on Google Play or how to get your mobile game more exposure. That sort of no, thing. no. My favorite was how to safely monetize teams. Mm-hmm. And that's the <laughs> thing that I'm kind of getting scared of. Like, like uh, there's there, there's a bit of hate, especially within our RPG niche community towards the mobile market. I think because. Uh, People like Square, well, uh, companies like Square Enix have released so many games for iOS and and occasionally for Android while neglecting releasing those things on other handheld systems. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that's really startling me now is that the mobile market itself, excluding RPGs, is is just becoming more about money than it is quality and as we shift towards freemium i'm I'm really starting to be concerned that it's going to be nothing but screwing the customer over final fantasy all the bravest is a good example of what that looks like yeah it's a good example of a bad example well and on the flip side i guess i mean i'm going to call out square enix a little more for uh square enix tax on in the mobile space where it's like (laughs) You know what? I would give you some money to play older Final Fantasies on my phone. I will not give you 16 of my monies. <laughs> now, let me let me chime in on that comment because I agree completely, but at the same time, I think it speaks to something totally different when you get to the point where Square Enix is at least trying not to drop the bottom out of the mobile market. Like yeah. everything else nowadays has to be free. Or you hear about a game that's $0.99 cents or $3 on mobile. People say, oh, I'm not paying that. That's way too much. Well, th- there's the part of my brain that can sit back and say, no, no, that this is a real game. This is a full game. This is not a bullshit wallets, wallet vacuum. I will give it $10. But that's you. Yeah, you know, but like everyone have, has their own – like everyone has their own line – but I think they are just setting a bar high as trying to pu- rather than push people's bars forward. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they're trying not to cut their bottom line, and they realize, hey, we can we can do this because people will pay for it. <laughs> yeah, I think we had a similar discussion when All the Bravest came out, and uh, not a lot of people were fans of me at the time because I was trying to make the assertion that, uh, or not All the Bravest. I'm sorry, Final Fantasy Dimensions. When Final yeah. Fantasy Dimensions came out, and everyone saw the 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 relatively huge price tag of what was it like thirty two dollars for all the chapters? Yeah, um, well, I was th- trying to that make was like that. that was a little much, I think. Yeah, I was trying to make the assertion that it seems like it's ex- a crazy expensive price for an iPhone game, but if you consider the fact that it's a full experience. And if you were to think in your mind, like, had I purchased this on PSN for my PSP and it was a brand new Final Fantasy title, would that $32 be justified? And and I still say it's kind of hard. I, I know that people look at the prices on the uh, Apple App Store and even looking at the, the Square games like Final Fantasy or Secret of Mana and they say, wow, $9.99 or, or $15.99, that's way too much money. Well, and that's the thing is the App Store is all about impulse buys. Yeah, it's, it's a like lot of the market or $1.99. Or, yeah. The market doesn't want you thinking about it and just, and just wants you to add it all up, just wants the little things to add up. Right. So when Square Enix comes along and says, no, no, we're, we're making real, we're going to try to make a real game for this, give us a real game price it looks like a crazy deviant amount. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious, but... actually, as to how many, you, like, I suppose units isn't the right term, but 
how many units of the games that they re-released for iOS they actually were able to sell. Like whether they're making a decent amount of money off of these re-releases. I'm sure there's... I think they are. That's the thing is the re-releases seem to bring up the nostalgia crowd. People will rebuy Final Fantasy VI. But when they come to original content like Final Fantasy Dimensions or even taking it a different direction, not a specific square, but the Deus Ex the Fall, when they go that direction with something that's completely original, how does the market work there? That one didn't seem to make any waves whatsoever. And, you know, it's what, already what, hit PC. Well, Square Enix publishing something in North America and it flopping? That doesn't sound familiar. Well, Deus Ex the Fall, I'm going to pick on it because it does have a lot of problems. Well, I think everyone looked at that and said it was a... This needs to be on a computer? Well, no, they looked at it and said, shooter on on a tablet, fake buttons, fake sticks, ew, ew, gross, gross, like you do. And they've kind of had to throw a little more money on top of it to get a PC release where the game probably should have gone to begin with, honestly. Yeah, but I've heard that the PC version doesn't play well. Well, that's because they started from a tab trying to make a passable tablet game and then had to turn a passable tablet game into a PC game. Yeah. Like when you when you say, "Hey, let's do an episodic spin-off of Deus Ex." Where do you think you'd want to release that? And the answer is the computer. Yeah. It, it was a bit odd when they decided to put it on the tablet and even after playing it, I mean, I couldn't finish it just because like, I'm sorry, having the fake buttons there, it, it doesn't make the experience fun. Like, for all that... the fun parts of Deus Ex, which is all the talking and the conversing and having the, the boss battle talkies, those parts are great. And when you got to those parts in the game, they were fantastic. But the moment you had to shoot somebody, the game was terrible. Yeah. And that gets to the point of when you're going on a mobile device, there's two ways to do it. You can either design it for mobile, or you can design it for those horrible virtual pad buttons because you can't think of any other way to do it. If you can't think of any other way to do it, mobile is probably not your best bet and probably not the ideal place to put your game. We have an entire generation of people, of designers now, who think of an Xbox controller first. Like, that is how you interact with games as far as they they are concerned. And so their idea of getting something to work on a tablet is making a fake a fake Xbox gamepad when we really need to step back and really have an entirely new design space. And we won't see that come around for another six or seven years when we get a bunch of new grads out of these tech schools that immediately know what a touchscreen means. Yeah, even then, which, you know... Which direction will they go? Well, is that the direction they're going to want to take? You know, are they going to want to go that mobile space? Uh, I think it. Well, again, everyone has a phone, and that's true. There is this point where you, yeah, a buck off a market of everyone is a hell of a lot better than trying to tackle sixty dollars. Or actually, this is going to be seven years from now, so seventy-five dollars from a market of people who buy consoles. Yeah, yeah. So where we stand in the East versus the West divide is in the West we have handhelds with a whole bunch of not necessarily quality games, and we have which a lot just of reinforces the fact that the handheld space is not somewhere you want to be unless you're desperate and, for money. And we have and we have we have mobile titles, and a lot of them aren't quality either. Now I'll take issue with one thing: is that we're talking big market here. The indie space has really, really opened up for the West and European developers, and it's become a big, big deal. You know, it's actually something where we'll see North American developed indie games on handhelds as opposed to PC because it's doable. And there's a, you know, the niche market they're trying to hit, it works. Well, and again, part of that is Sony, I think Sony saw the light where maybe having a bunch of small pub you know, smaller American publishers isn't going to be a great system seller, but they're always going to be a system justifier. Yes. Like, you know what? Having Owning a Vita is kind of hard when you go into a GameStop because it's one good, one interesting thing a month. 
Yeah. But you go yeah. on the store, there's two cool things every week. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Okay. I've, I've been playing my Vita quite a bit. Well, not so much lately, but before Christmas, I went nuts again because why? Terror Away was like, I think it was like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I was okay to take a chance on it. Why? Because it was unique. It was different. Oh, yeah. And I, I enjoyed what I played. I'm, I'm going to finish it at some point. And it's the same with games like Dragon Fantasy. I don't mind spending, you know, five to ten bucks on something like Dragon Fantasy. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But in that allotted amount of what I paid, I got that level of enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And, it, and bring up- it's something that a lot of PC gamers have kind of found a lot of fun in is just finding the smaller stuff in between yeah. Steam sales. Yeah. And you make a good point too. Price is a big issue because people would be much more willing to plunk down six bucks or, you know, ten bucks on an indie game as they would to go to a store and pay forty bucks for something that may not actually be worth a dime once you get to it. Mm-hmm. Which is becoming more and more of a problem, unfortunately. Resistance mm-hmm. burning skies, Mac. Resistance burning skies. No, but even something Don't like as me. much as I, I like judge Tear you, Matt Akel. I judge you. <laughs> I award you no points. May God have mercy upon your soul. You know what? And going back to that, though, I think Michael's right. I mean, even if you look at a game like Tearaway, it's fantastic. It's creative. It's got a lot of the right ideas. If I was to take that back to GameStop, I'm going to get nothing for it. <laughs> you know, like that's why I didn't mind when it was on sale. I said, you know what? I can I can spend twenty dollars on this, and right. I will probably get my twenty dollars worth. If I had paid the full price for it, I don't know if I would have gotten the same level of enjoyment. I am somebody who, you know, if I'm paying full money for something, I want it to hopefully be worth my full monies. Yeah. You know, and I've always been that way. I don't know if it's just the Scotch woman in me or just the fact that, you know, I'm just <sighs> anal. I don't like putting money down the toilet. Yeah, no, the, the PSN and the eShop really make the, the Vita and the 3DS worthwhile systems to own. Um, I, I honestly feel like there's there's more than enough content, not only uh, for that platform on both those services, well, for each platform on both those services, but I, I they, they offer so much legacy games. Like, Does uh, the eShop really, though? Um, I, I, well, I mean, like if you're interested in playing stuff like that was on uh, GBA or Game Gear and that sort of thing, then well, totally. See, I think Nintendo kind of screwed mm. the pooch there because I'm sorry, we're getting Lu- Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga and Advance Wars and Golden Sun, but we're not getting them on the 3DS. No, we're getting them on the Wii U. Well, okay. yeah. Bef- and that's 3D- a mistake, right there. I, I think there's two questions here, and I want to separate those out. And first is that uh, I think Nintendo has issues some of those uh, will be nintendo's issues until someone else finally buys them out mm-hmm. but i think i think there is the that there is the fact that um uh, well a few facts i think nintendo's indie market is actually stronger than you might think they don't talk about it much but i, I bought gum and clive that's awesome but uh i i really think that maybe both the Vita and the 3DS are maybe a touch too backward-looking. I'm, I'm going to say the 3DS mo- more so, because the question of of the Vita is, when is something good going to come out? And the question of the 3DS is, when is fill-in-the-blank going to be on virtual console? Like, no one wants anything new from Nintendo. People just want the things they liked in the 90s. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with this in my own little way. <laughs> I'm not yeah, gonna and, lie. <laughs> and it's a different angle for the Vita because the Vita seems to be getting a lot of PC ports. A lot of these games that are on Steam that you know maybe went through Greenlight or maybe were just a, a flash in the pan small side project for a developer, and it's hit Steam and it's become fantastic. And they're able to port it to Vita, but along with that, PS3 or PS4, and that is what I love. People may complain, oh well, you're getting the same game that. It's already been out for years, and it's going to be on PSP now, or it's going to be on the Vita now. You know, it's still the same game. People could play that on PSP or on PC years ago. Who cares if you didn't play it on PC then and you want it on the go? Here's your good option, and it's like you said, it's a system supporter. It's keeping things alive, and it's it's a great thing. 
And I and I love that truthfully. I love the fact that I mean I am not a PC gamer. Admit to that fully. When I get the opportunity to try something, you know, on my PS3 or my PS4 that yes has been out on PC forever, I'm sorry, I'm going to take that opportunity Absolutely. because it's my preferred platform. Mm-hmm. And you know, people can whine well, and moan and, and again, whatever. exclusivity I don't think helps anyone. It really doesn't. That's you know the thing. People love this idea of oh, it's exclusive to this, but you're like really my... just cutting out cutting out on the fact that yeah, you're going to get lots of people who own that system purchasing the game, but you're missing out on the bigger market. Like no, no one is co- like Infamous Second Son is not better because I, the PC guy, can't play it. Exactly. No matter what the Sony people say. Well, no, and it's the same with something like Titanfall. Like, we're, yes, there's a PC release for it, but... It's know. not better because PlayStation 4 owners can't play it. Well, exactly. Now that EA has that locked down, look forward to Titanfall 2 next... No, no, no probably next March. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I mean, really, they've all but announced it. Look for it at E3. <laughs> yeah. I, I just feel, truthfully, you know, exclusivity... exclusivity does more harm than good. Mm. And I think that it's okay to experiment with platforms if it means that you're putting yourself out there. And I do I do love the indies for that. I do love the fact that they're willing to kind of, whatever platform they can try, they're going to try it. And if it has success, it has success. And if it doesn't, they go back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some get aggressive about it, but, you know, that's not the point. It's more of they will find somebody who clearly likes their product mm-hmm. and will tell their 10 friends about their product. Like that marketing still works. Whether we joke about word of mouth, it's still a big thing. But but um, do you think we're a little too reliant on things that 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 the mobile handheld space is too reliant on things that already have some sort of name value, whether it's because it's a port or because it is uh, you know, the baby version or it's like hey, we're we're finally getting um Mega Man, whatever the blank, on 3DS this week. I I want to say yes and no. Like, that's a terrible way of phrasing it. But I think for some situations, especially in the West, I think they have this logic of, if I slap Assassin's Creed on it, people are going to buy it. Um, and it does work to an extent. There are the people who just, they see Assassin's Creed and they go, I have to have it. I have that problem with Batman. You know, like, I know that when there's a new Batman game, I go and buy it. There's no thought process in it. <laughs> I just do it. Um, and I think that that, it's problematic, yes, but I think that that's how the big publishers deal with it. Whereas I think the indies, like I said, I feel that they just tend to just kind of do their own thing and just, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Whereas I don't think the big publishers even try to make it work a lot of the time. I think it's just... Here I pooped out Assassin's Creed on Vita. Um, it might make us some money. I go to the next <coughs> thing. Imagine playing something like Far Cry on your Vita. It'd be neat. Yeah. But would it work? I think but that's actually like, coming. I think there's a Far Cry Classics thing happening. I'm just saying. That'll I get mean, cross-bought. Yeah. I would love to have played Blood Dragon on a portable. So would you really? People... Yes, actually. Do you want to see that purple... In, I want on that just putrid- teeny tiny eye strano vision. Yes, I do. Yes, I want. I want that putridness yeah. and tracking in front of my face. God, because I you know what, that would be fun to me. But I'm okay. Actually, with- lack of visual fidelity would be great for Far Cry Blood Dragon. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm I am less picky than most people in in this regard. I'm willing to give anything a shot if I see some sort of merit in it. Hell, if I just get something for free, I'm willing to give it a shot anyways. Like, I'll be honest, yeah. I didn't like Destiny of Spirits. I tried it. I'm glad I tried it. It wasn't my thing. I could totally see the appeal of it for those who like menu-based games, where it's just, here's a menu, there's a menu, everywhere a menu. Perfect for your iPad. Poke things. Have it <laughs> like, misinterpret your poking. <laughs> like, I, I see the appeal. It doesn't work for me, but am I going to poo-poo it because somebody else loves it? No. Well, because there's, there is merit in it. Yeah. Now, Sam, you mentioned, like, Assassin's Creed coming out for the Vita, and I, I actually kind of applauded Assassin's Creed coming out to the Vita, because at the time, that was a unique, original game. That was, I mean, it's it's a brand, it's a well-known IP, but it was a new game. Like, it was, problem... it was a new environment, it was a new character, yeah, but and it, it was a new, I... even new mechanics in that one. 
Mm-hmm. But my my bigger problem at the time that it came out was that I kept hearing from people like, oh, we're getting all these games. Like, we're going to be getting Injustice on the Vita. We're going to be getting Final Fantasy XX2 on the Vita. And I kept telling people like, yeah, I'm excited to buy these games and I will buy them and I will play them on my Vita. But that's not reason to be excited as a Vita owner. No. Those are ports. Those what the Vita needs is original IPs. It needs heavy hitters. It needs games like Tearaway or Little Big Planet Vita, like bigger games that are unique and flaunt the system. And that's why I personally ha- kind of have a love hate relationship with ports when it comes to portables. Well, and that's the thing is oh, we're starting to see. Actually, now- I want I wanted to ask the port you you guys. Um, does Final Fantasy? Do the Final Fantasy X collection actually do anything with the touch screens in on oh, the Vita? There's say. nothing that is required on the touch screen. But it is there an to... option just for me to like quickly do like three men- like tap through menus on the back screen real fast? No. The only... um the 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 what it, what it allows uh and and Mac can open up anything if I've if I've left anything out. But like mm-hmm. uh there's there's an ability to quick heal your entire team if you touch uh, a certain part of your front screen. Uh, during battle, if you touch the same part, you can select whether summons can be quick or short, and every time you save, you use the front touch screen as well. You don't have to use the front touch screen. It works with buttons. Oh, so it's like the microphone on the DS where, yeah, you could shout objection at it, or you could just put the push the button. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I heard some other people talking about that, talking about when you save, you can use the buttons and the I've directional tried. pad. It won't let me. <laughs> I have had no problems with that. No. I don't know why. Yeah. But do uh, you have the latest firmware on your Vita? Yeah. Okay. Then, yeah, yeah I have no idea. But I haven't had to touch... I, I don't touch the screen on games where it's not a part of the game, and I haven't had to at all. Yeah. I can say that uh, for... Final Fantasy ten ten two on the Vita. I feel like the graphics are really great. They don't. Mm-hmm. I don't really see any jaggies or anything. I feel like it was a really well done port. But uh, my, I feel like my argument still kind of stands. I mean, it's nice that we have games yeah. on the Vita, and I definitely celebrate that. And I'm I'm certainly going to buy these games. But the bigger thing for systems here in the West is that we have real original titles that are meant for the system, as opposed to. <laughs> smaller versions of console games or ports yes and i will agree with you and take that twofold all right on one hand your point is completely valid and i agree completely in order for the systems to really make a dent to really do things like that they do need original content yet at the same time just looking at myself my personal preference this is what i want it's giving me exactly what I want. Final Fantasy X, X2 being remade or you know remastered. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about that on another episode. But being re-released, I want it on Vita. I don't give a crap about the console version. I want yep. it portable. I don't care if it's a port. I don't care if they port the entire PlayStation 2 and 3 libraries to the Vita. I want that. I want the content that I haven't played or I want to replay because it's either in my backlog or I haven't had a chance to go back to it on console. I want that portable, and mm-hmm. this is giving me that, and I'm happy with it. But I'm, I'm a minority on that case. I understand. Well, but I think a lot of Vita owners are like me. Well, I think I they're taking advantage of it. Myself. And I, th- I think maybe it's a good thing that maybe these distinctions are starting to fade. Like, with things coming around on the Vita, and I- I'd love to see some more... Especially on the eShop side, uh, cross cross buy on between 3DS and Wii U, but just just like things moving back and forth through all the spaces and just giving everyone a shot, and oh, yeah. maybe this will become a little less divided, a less less exclusive, and less a little tribal because I really don't need to hear a Vita 3DS debate. <laughs> Well, you know, yeah. I'm I'm sad, Scott, because you know we bought we bought Doctor Luigi. I refuse to call it that. It's it's Doctor Mario on the Wii U. Doctor Mario Two. Doctor Mario Two. You know, he went to Wii University. Um, Wii U University. Oh, stupid, stupid Matthew, my nephew. Um, anyways, I really would have rather played that game on my 3DS. 
and there's really nothing to it that immediately jumps out and says it this was a Wii, Wii U title. And that's one thing that I think we see differences because of that, because Nintendo is trying to push the you know the Wii and give the Wii exclusive content to make it more appealing, whereas Sony is saying, you know what, just buy into the brand. While we'll you're ta- at the store, get get a Sony yeah. TV, get a Blu-ray player. We make these they nice really sound bars I mean, now. The Vita is a is a good supplement. They realize they're not getting the market over here that they want, so it's a great supplement. You own a PlayStation Three, you own this game. Guess what? It's cross buy, which means if you bought it on PlayStation Three, you can yeah, download it on Vita, and you can do cross save, which means you can transfer your saves instantly from one to the other play them on the go, and boom, you really and, do have the experience on the go and not like a remote play situation. And you know what, and there are ports, you know, as much as I'm not always <laughs> fond of ports either, that do attempt to be different in some ways. Um, you know, as much as RP Gamer totally loved that first installment of Hyper Dimension Neptunia, the new one that we're a classic getting... classic of our age. <laughs> <laughs> the new one that we're getting is using the battle system of the last game, of the, the third game that came out. And you can kind of see that they're trying to make that first game a little bit more appealing by putting new improvements in yes, and trying to, to bring it into a different kind of light. And having it on the portable is probably going to help it a lot, actually, in this case. Whereas I look at one of my favorite series, the Atelier games, and those are the most cut-and-dry ports I've ever seen. They have the audacity to call them plus, and they have no plus content whatsoever. <laughs> Yes, you're making a, a great point, maybe totally off the topic, but when you're talking about portable content and things like that, I agree completely. Persona 3, when it came to portable first as you know, Persona 3 portable, it had new content. It had something to drive you back. It had the female protagonist. It had, you know, that was a big change there. And then on the other hand, you had Persona 4 Golden. New content. It wasn't a cut-and-dry port. And then you've got the Atelier games, which, as you said, are cut-and-dry ports. Then you have Final Fantasy X and X-2, which are remasters, which I'm getting ready to write an editorial as soon as I get free time to do so about, you know, my feelings exactly on that situation because, you know what, it's kind of making me see there's some issues that I didn't really notice long ago, and maybe it would have been better taking a totally new perspective instead of just getting that original content on here. It's almost like and, something I've said about remaking Final Fantasy 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's not even that. It's it's the same game and maybe that's not what I want anymore. What you want is the ability to save wherever you want cuz goddamn it this is a handheld on a machine that can do this. <laughs> there should there's yeah, it, it's a totally different topic I think, but yeah. It's kind of strange when I'm looking more forward to playing Final Fantasy X-2 now as opposed to X, which I would have not said 10 years ago. But that's a totally different story. It's just more of the fact that sometimes the handheld content needs to be updated. And like you said with the Neptunia game, that's a great... That's what I want. I want them doing that kind of stuff. If they're going to port it over, don't be cut and dry. You've got to remake the game anyways. Update it, you know. Use the engine for the newer stuff and make it better. Don't make it. They could have done that for Final Fantasy X, just because of how high profile and important in its original form. I'm sure it is to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, That being said, I I totally understand what you mean. And and uh, we like like I said before, like we we wrote an editorial I think last year or the year before about a remake of Final Fantasy VII. And the reality is, you can't really you can't really re- rework things that didn't exactly work perfectly the first time around. So you're always going to piss off a segment of people who want things as pure as possible. So yeah. you know what? I am ten times more willing to play New Atelier Verona than I am, you know, playing these Tatori and Arrow yes. Plus. Why? Yes. Verona has an updated engine. It's using Aisha's engine. On top of the fact that the graphics are now going to be on par with, you know, its PS3 predecessors. You know, like, that's a game that it deserved an overhaul. All right, guys. Are we getting close? Well, no, it's just that we have circled around to a topic from last episode. Oh, I'm really sorry. No, no, I mean, that... let me finish. (laughs) Finish, but this is our sign to move on. (laughs) 
Sorry. It's just, it's one of those games where I am excited to have that on my Vita. Yes, it's going to be on both, and, you know... But your point's good. good. Side. I mean, your, your point on handheld is good, I think, because you want new content on that handheld version, the one that's coming out. You want it to be different. You don't want it to just be another copy paste. Well, all right. For a game I really liked. <laughs> so, last question before we move on to feedback: Do we have to make this demand of other re-releases? Like when let let's say crazy hypothetical, Gone Home for the Vita. Do mm-hmm. we, do we add more audio logs? For something like that, I don't think so. If it's an experience that's relatively new, and it's just getting moved to a new console or a new system, like you know the Vita in this case, no, I'd say just release it because there's plenty of people that didn't play it on PC. I'm raising my hand right now that would love to play it portably. Yeah, but if it was like a PS2 game and that's it was different. coming to the Vita, I feel like it should come with some additional content, possibly boost yes. up graphics as well. All right, so now that we've finished off episode 2B, feedback! Because <laughs> we have feedback this time. Ooh, excellent. And you know so, what I want? What? I'm sorry. Why Come can't I have my Yakuza Black Panther on Vita? That's what I want. Because no one's going to give it to me. Because Yakuza... Because Sega, <laughs> Sega doesn't love us fans of their good games. I'm sorry. But I mean, feedback... Yes, we have some. Um, So, from episode one, I saw a general theme of guys talking about what they look for in reviews, which is great. However, we want you to engage us on the topic, not what you think. This is probably the third dumbest thing for me to ask on the from internet comment section. But you can disagree with us politely, of course. But engage us. We want it. We do want to converse with you. Yeah, and. So, I'm not necessarily interested in your feelings, but I am interested in what you think about what we said and how we said it. So, there's that. And now, episode two was in a similar vein. However, I would like to call out user, uh, I guess, Sean McDougal, or Smack D on the forums, as I've been calling him. He actually managed to offer up the distinction between a port, a remake, and a re-release without being all, well, actually, my nerd dick is bigger than yours, So he gets a prize. Prizes are nice. The prize will be whatever is on sale on GOG that looks cool while I'm editing this episode. It's probably all in your email, Ed. It's probably already in your email, Sean. Thumbs up, dude. Good job. We appreciate the good feedback. Sam, did you get Twitter feedback? I did. I got a lot of positive feedback from people just enjoying the show and just enjoying how we engage each other interestingly enough um i was just very pleased because you know i was asking people on twitter you know just their comments and their concerns and were they enjoying it what weren't they enjoying about it and the only negative feedback i got was just that we're very awkward when we uh close off (laughs) otherwise otherwise people seem really pleased um and you know what like i said please please feel free to disagree with us um I always, makes things interesting. It always makes things interesting, and it always makes us feel like we're doing our job right. I mean, no, it doesn't make things interesting. What do you have to say about that? See, I disagreed I just, with you. I, I love when people disagree with me. I do. Um, I'm a little bit more respectfully. Timid, respectfully. I'm a little bit more timid than most in the sense that I do take a little bit longer to sort of formulate my thoughts when someone's disagreeing with me. But... You know, I always try to be really kind about it. And, I mean, as long as we are having a very nice, friendly disagreement, it's cool. And, I mean, if people want to keep sending me feedback, uh, please, please do. Send us as much feedback as you've got. We'd love to always make improvements. Mac, you asked people, and they said we wanted iTunes, and I said, uh, and I whispered no, and then did it anyhow, even though it hurt my brain. So we're on (laughs) iTunes now. Awesome. That is fantastic. Any other com Trent? Did your people no, I, say I, anything? Well, that they like the show. Well, that makes me feel Thanks, warm and people. fuzzy. I want more yakuza. Can we have more yakuza? Can we do a discussion about why yakuza apparently doesn't hey. sell and my heart breaks? Hey, I, I want more grandia, but we don't see that happening now, do we? Mac, what is your uh, what is your Candyland dream for the week? 
Oh, man. I would love to have... Oh, see? No. I don't know if I would want this. I was going to use my default. I want to see Final Fantasy XII HD International Zodiac Edition on, you know, get the remaster. And now after playing Final Fantasy X remaster, I don't really know if that's what I want. Instead, I would actually probably like to have a remade Final Fantasy XII on Vita. So... <laughs> Are we not yeah. surprised? I know. I'm just going in circles now. You're adorable. It's so, okay. <laughs> and my Candyland wish is for Monkey Island 6, but that will never happen because Disney already has a billion-dollar pirate franchise. And oh, with don't, that... Don't work. Disney will use their Playdom group, and they'll turn it into a mobile phone game. No. And you won't recognize it. No, because about two days into development, they'd be like... Why are we why are we doing this Monkey Island thing? We already have a billion dollar pirate franchise. With Johnny Depp. And it already has this weird recursive thing where Pirates of the Caribbean and Tales and Monkey Island were all ripping off each other and each other's source material that they may as well be one thing. <laughs> so, no. Monkey Island is dead. Long live um old pirate novels that a bunch of people read. I'm just going to sit here and be sad about my poor Yakuza. All right. So if you want to, uh, of course, talk to us and send discussions and maybe win a prize, which will continue to be thing whatever's on sale on GOG that I think is cool while I'm editing, uh, feel free to leave us a message on the forums at board.rpgamer.com or shoot us an email. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes, five stars, and I'll read it, despite the fact Scott doesn't want to go anywhere near iTunes ever again. <laughs> Understandably so. And tweets. Tweets are always really nice. I yes. like giving out prizes, and I like making people happy. So, I it may go without saying. Do we want to share our Twitter accounts? Uh, you no, know what? you should know who I am. That's probably true. If they're if they're listening to this, they probably already have our Twitter accounts. Like they should know who you are, and you, and you, but not the thing that's below my legs. See, that was phrasing. <laughs> See, All right. I'm getting better. My mood's getting better. <laughs> okay, guys. I'm calling that a night. Thank you. Excellent. Good saying. night. Thank you. The Active Topical Banter Show is an RP Gamer production, all rights reserved. Visit rpgamer.com for contact info, discussions, and other great content. Music by Nubuo Ematsu, arrangements courtesy of ocremix.com.